Speaking of which, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chasing Greatness podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's all good. Man. No, but uh, super excited. Joined today by Kyle Wolf with two Fs, the uh, the host of We Built an Empire podcast. Yes. Um, you want to know a fun fact that I learned yesterday What's about po- podcasting? What you get? Since I'm like you know a, a big time successful podcast host sure. myself now, yeah. so <laughs> I've like you know I've dove in. Um, no, but I found out that ninety percent of podcasts don't make it past episode three. And then of the ones that do make it past episode three, 90% don't make it past episode 20. And you are at... 41. 41 now. Yeah. So in the world of podcasts, you're actually like up there, which is really cool <laughs> to think about. And yeah. well, it was cool. So, and, and I don't know if you listen to it or not, but it's the... I've, I listen to the Modern Wisdom podcast. It's with Chris Williamson. Yep. Yep. Um, I just love his content and like, I, you know, trying to better myself, whether it's physically or... And that was a lot of like mental and optimizing life or whatever. Um, but they were talking about it in the context of just simply not quitting yeah. and like how easy it can be to, with consistency, you know, uh, rise to the top, but you have to just literally not quit. So I think it's cool that you're already at 41 episodes. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, so again, like, how do you, how do you, how do you quantify success? Right. So, I mean, I've said it on my show. I probably say it every, every episode. It's like, we're, we're so far from monetization on all platforms. Like we have a good solid core listeners. Like, I mean, I, I know that we're going to get X amount of people listening. I know that certain people are going to call me and be like, ah, that was a really great episode, man. I pulled this out of there. And sometimes it surprises me. It's like a person that I don't personally know, or maybe I had a loose relationship in freshman year of high school or something. Um, but it's like, we're not monetized. So if you go into this thing being like, I want to be Joe Rogan, that's, that's cool, right? That's a, a decent goal. That's an unrealistic goal in all reality. But if you go into it going, I want to make money in a year, like you're setting yourself up to fail. Right. right? So it's, you, you just like five years ago, six years ago, 10 years ago, you could have done this and people would have thought you're crazy. Like what is a podcast? Right. If you were already in that loop and you were, you know, had a good following when podcasts really, really started to pop off three years ago, four years ago, you might've stood a chance of being like, okay, I'm one of the top right now. It's, it's saturated in a sense to where there's just so much content out there from a podcast perspective. It's like, you've got to spend time. You've got to actually grow like a real listening audience that tunes in every single week in analytics. And it just takes time and time and time. And the weird thing that's like kind of is, is a little bit defeating. This, this is for anybody starting new, right? It's like, you'll have, Oddly enough, like people kind of generate this like this presence around your podcast and it starts to like really grow rapidly sometimes. Like you get your friends, your, you know, your family, you know, um, guests that have their and it kind of like it propagates outward. So you get this like spiral effect real quickly and you'll have a couple of like banger episodes, right? Like I mean bangers. Like out of nowhere, you're like, holy shit, we just got can I cuss on there? Yep. Okay, we're cussing ladies. <laughs> this and is gentlemen. a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> this is the tree. Yeah. Uh, no, so uh, you'll have a couple banger episodes, and then you're like, okay, whatever we did worked. And then you have another good one. And it's like all of a sudden you'll have this like dip. And you're like, why? What is going on? Nothing has changed. This was a great conversation. I mean, the context of it was like really, really like well delivered. The guest was engaged. And then all of a sudden it'll come back. And you just have this like this ebb and flow. And then you start to kind of realize, like, look, as how often do you listen to like Rogan's a bad a bad example, right? The guy gets like three, three million listens to a podcast each, you know, <laughs> yeah. so bad. But like, let's just say like your, your next favorite podcast, right? So you hit it on Spotify, you start playing it maybe 15 minutes in and you drop out or you save it. 
you might not get back to that exact episode for two weeks. It depends on your life, right? And so you start to have to think that people have a life cycle. And it's like, you know, you're not always going to just have these like huge, gigantic leaps. And so it's a slow, slow burn. And going back to your comment, if you just maintain and stay consistent, which consistency, especially with guests, is very difficult. We were just talking about this on camera. And that's the hardest thing with my podcast is like, a, uh, kudos to you for doing this in person, right? Um, huge advocate for in person, right? We know, like, I know what you smell like right now, man, right? So that, that, that there's- Just don't tell anyone. There's, in, there's intimacy to that, you know? And, and we can feed off of that. And, and if you say something that triggers me and, and sparks an emotion for me, we're gonna get a different interaction than if you're on Zoom or if you're on Riverside or something. So we made a huge um, correction right off the bat to go in person. And, that's hard because now you got to get people to make a time, like an actual physical time commitment. They got to drive to Bayfield because that's where our podcast studio is at. They got to come there. And so, so it's like, there's a lot of things that go into that. So that makes it a little bit difficult in getting a, a, the guests in to, to maintain the consistency. But what you have to do sometimes is to fill that void and, and apologies to any of my listeners that might be listening to this. Like, yeah, I've, I've, I do have a life outside of podcasting and I missed a couple of weeks in a row, but I will say that for 40 weeks straight, no, it would have been more than that because so it'd be like 46 weeks straight. We dropped an episode undeniably Tuesday, 5 a.m., right? So we've had a little, little bit of a break there, but the thing of it is we're coming back. We've got some episodes. I'm going to do some talking head stuff on some topics that I've really been close to me, close to my family, close to home, close to the, you know, the local, um, you know, area that we live in. And, and, you know, but I, I want to make sure that I get back to the consistency of every single week. Cause that's what I, I, I made a promise to myself. I was like, it has to be every week. You've got to show up. If people are going to show up for you, even if that's a subscribe on your YouTube or if that's a like on Instagram, you got to show up for the people you got to deliver. Even if they don't, if, if the context of what you're talking about is not, the best things you've ever delivered, you have to deliver something to them, right? And so it's it's been a couple of weeks and like in a weird way, like I had this huge like almost outer body experience the other day, like way, way water depleted and got into the sauna for far too long and was just hallucinating in another <laughs> planet and then jumped immediately into the cold plunge, came out of that and was just like, whoom, like my, my brain just went wham, I got to do this, 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 this in the podcast. And yeah, so anyways, I don't know how we got on my, but this is your show. (laughs) So I love it because the whole point of this is for me to learn from people. And I'm excited because, you know, I have a lot to learn from you in terms of podcasting. I have a lot to learn from you in terms of business and life and, you know, humanity and just everything. I've just been a huge fan of you ever since I've, I've gotten to know you. Um, so however we got on it, it doesn't matter. It's great content. (laughs) Um, you had talked a little bit about like the ebbs and flows of the engagement with your show. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to figure out any variables or like consistencies? Why? I'm kind of curious. Like, you know, I know we've talked about you have to just keep putting it out, putting it out, not simply not quitting. Yeah. But I wonder, like, have you been able to digest or, or realize, you know, I got less engagement because it was too long or cause the thumbnail was different or yeah. cause my, dis- you know, the description, was- I'm just curious if yes. anything's like you've, you've figured out any of that. Yeah. I mean, in, in a sense, I, I kind of know. Um, so when we, when we first started, you've got everything, right? You've got, you got your YouTube, which is your, the main, you can cut that into clips, five and 10 minute episodes, right? You can cut that into shorts and you create this funnel and everybody talks about the funnel, right? Shorts pull you into the clips, clips pull you into the full length episode. Cause nobody wants to sit down and listen to long form episodes anymore. They don't want to listen to an hour and a half. Well, fuck you. My 
my shows an hour and a half, right? right? And so when we first started, I just threw mud at the board to see what stuck, right? And obviously, we got Instagram. We had TikTok at the time. I've since gone away from TikTok because... I produce my show by myself. You know, I mean, I'm I'm the the host. You know, so I'm trying to do research. I'm doing all the editing, everything. And so there's a lot of time that physically goes. You have an hour and a half episode. You've got at least ten to twelve hours of mixing that and post production, yeah. cutting clips. Then you've got to all of a sudden manage your drops. Right, what's going to hit? Okay, I picked the thumbnail. You can't do that by yourself. So so at first, yeah, we just threw it out there to see what sticks. And the thing that does give you trafficked volume right maybe even subscribers like youtube shorts are doing really well there's 60 seconds and you got to go but if you look at the algorithm or the the analytics not necessarily the algorithm they do get traffic to your page but that's hard to quantify because they're looking at a short the traffic if you look at and and youtube does an excellent way of, of showing you what, what what's winning people over to your channel you might get subscribers then you look at those same subscribers they may not be a repeat subscriber after they looked at that one short so you know youtube is awesome in the fact that you can build your numbers to start right, right? you can start really rapidly growing you know, I think right now we're at like 160,000 views on YouTube, awesome. which is awesome. But if you look at that from like your loyal fan base, it may not be comprised of loyal fans, right? And so where we've recently leaned into hard is to like just pick one, pick your outlet, like because it, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort to do YouTube, YouTube shorts, YouTube clips. What do my thumbnails look like? Oh, my God. Then I got to do Instagram. Right. Thank God that Instagram posts over to Facebook. So, but anyways, long story short is like, I have elected to pick one, right? Because what I've found is that you can have a clickbaitable 60 second thing sometimes in an episode, sometimes it really hits, but 90 seconds, you, in, in almost every single recording that you do, you can find 90 seconds of good quality content, right? And if people will stay, most of the time, if you look at the drop off, they'll stay through 90 seconds. It's hard with 60. And so shorts is not out. I still drop shorts, but it's not delivering the content that I want in most episodes because like, I don't want to have to chop space. I want, if we say something and it hits you hard, like a visceral impact on whatever we're talking about, I want you to be able to breathe for a second in that short. I want the audience to know that it affected you and right. that it's affecting me like in kind. And so it's hard to do that with 60 seconds. So recently, or, or you know, we, we've actually leaned harder into and I say we, right? Because we built an empire. So I you lean, and your whole staff. Yeah, my my whole staff of one. <laughs> so we, I, I lean into Instagram lately, and that does not necessarily get people from Instagram's platform over to YouTube. So you still have to kind of work and massage YouTube as well, right? Um, but for me personally, for the short clips, I want those to ring true with somebody. More so, time oftentimes more so than the whole episode right because i know that i can't always get that person out there to just go in and watch it, you know but something that a guest says in 90 seconds can have a profound impact at times on somebody listening to that and to me you kind of start to dwindle it down like i hope and i pray that that person that clicks that reel gets over to youtube the chances are it's not going to happen so my mind is shifted in the fact of let's Let's make it to where that 90-second clip can have an impact on someone. Yeah. Right? The episode is more most important, absolutely the most important to me. But if I can't get them to listen to the episode, I want them to get something out of 90 seconds, you know? Yeah, and I feel like the – especially with the Instagram 
the you know the short videos on Instagram and Reels. Like obviously, there's some algorithmic benefits to that, um, but I think it's also the best way to engage with your guest. Mm-hmm. You know, add them as a collaborator, or they share the reel or whatever. Sure. Which I think probably then expands the sphere of influence. You've got some more exposure. But to your point, yeah, I, I, I'm imagining it's very difficult to go from one platform to the next. Yeah. This is my third episode. Sure. So I'm like a big time, you know, I'm a huge <laughs> expert. But um, so one of the things I'd love to, I'd love to, well, actually, before I dive in, I want to talk about your electric business. Sure. Um, but before that, you mentioned the sauna and the cold plunge. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. have both? at your? Because I remember Facebook, you so, were looking for a sauna a while back. I was jokingly enough i was looking for, for a sauna i wasn't you know my my thought was is that you know i had only ever done dry sauna right or or you know i don't even really so the one that you know has a steam but it's primarily it's not like a just all it's steam. Not a steam yeah room. it's not a yeah. steam room i'd only ever done that right so that was my experience but then you start looking at like you know i follow a couple of people and i look at these saunas and i'm like man this is awesome but a two-person sauna was like sixty five hundred dollars and i'm like okay Again, my channel's not monetized, so we're not. <laughs> so uh, my wife and I uh, actually looked at and uh, got a infrared sauna, two person infrared, and I read all the reviews on it. We got the ones that you know have uh, way less EMF, and so anyways, it's just in our garage. And so um, yeah, like it, and it, for anybody, I've done a ton of research. Like you will still sweat your ass off, yeah. in an infrared sauna. My Especially parents have one. If you get in there right after a workout, like a hard thirty minute hit workout. Like you're gonna sweat like nobody's business. So yeah, I've been doing the sauna, and um, and then so right now like I don't have an, a defined cold plunge, right? You know, it's just a right now it's actually the the, the kiddie pool in the backyard. Yeah, you nice. Know? So and the water's freezing cold right now, so yeah. <laughs> it's doing the trick. But um, you know, for me, like I'll just just real quickly, we we'll just kind of go through. It, but like um, you know, July twentieth, I kind of embarked on this. What, what I call this like new journey in life, right? And there's, you know, I, I believe that there's always different journeys and tangents you can go on. And so uh, my wife and I, w- she had a conference in Denver. And so we drove up there that morning. I stepped on the scale, it's 232 pounds, right? And I'm five, five, nine and a half on a good day, right? Uh, so I step on the scale, we go up there to this conference. We have an amazing time. It's like fully catered. Um, we elected to, to leave the conference. Um, go to a comedy show, which we'd never been to a sit-down comedy show. It was so enjoyable. We get back to the hotel, have a bottle of wine. It's an amazing, amazing night. Um, thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. Wake up that next morning, not hungover, not, you know, just riddled with anxiety, like, oh, my God, did I get drunk? Did I ruin somebody's life? Did I ruin my marriage? What did I do? Oh my, you know. And so we're driving to the mall to pick up something before we leave in Denver, and I just look over, and I was like, I'm, I'm good with drinking anymore. Like, I'm, I'm solid. And this was the first time, like, in my adult life that I had... the chills. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, hopefully it helps somebody, man, that might be struggling with it. So um, it was the first time, you know, I had tried to, like, quit drinking in the past, you know, and be like... But usually it was after a binge night of drinking or a horrible party of, you know, frat party or something, and you're like, I feel like shit. Like, what did I do? I don't remember where I left my keys. And you're like, I got to quit drinking. And you quit for a weekend or two weeks or whatever. Sometimes a year and you bounce back. But for this this journey that I'm on right now, I woke up without any anxiety and was like, I'm good with this. I don't, I don't need this in my life. Like I really, truly don't. And, um, and it wasn't like I was an alcoholic, you know, I, but I did drink every day, you know, I would have a white claw and everybody makes fun of me, but like, that's, you know, trying to like, I don't like the taste of beer. It doesn't, it's not, not my thing, you know? And so, but 
you know, it was like I was drinking because it was just a part of that time, you know, the physical time, you know, five to 10 o'clock at night, I was just drinking, like, wasn't getting drunk, wasn't getting hammered, was waking up the next morning, doing, doing well in life, doing everything. And it was like, why, why is this, like, why is this such a part of who I am? Why is this so ingrained into who I am? Like, even people that I hang out with, the events that I do, it's like, it always involved alcohol. And so anyways, after this event that my wife took me on, in Denver, I woke up and it was like, all right, we're good. And so since July 20th, I know that seems, you know, very minuscule in a, in a time frame. Um, you know, I've started, I completely switched my diet to a caveman diet. I completely started working out every single day. I'm doing sauna every day. I'm doing cold plunge and I've lost 23 pounds. And for me, I feel better. My mind like is racing like it used to. Like it, you know, and the sense of wander is back. Like, like not when I was a kid, but when I was, when I was a youth. It was like, um, it, 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 I feel like the person I forgot. It's been so long, you know, since like 18 on. It was like everything I did, like camping, uh, going to sporting events, it always involved alcohol, you know? And like, and I've been fit through that. Like I, I've gotten back down to like 190 pounds and just like ripped as shit, you know, uh, again in my adult life, but still drinking. And I'm like, the, you know, and so for me, I just, I just cut it and I'm like, I'm good. I don't, I don't need it. And, and this time I've been able to go to parties. I've been able to go to barbecues. I've been camping and not drink and not even want to. And that's been super, super cool. So I didn't mean to go on a huge tangent. I'm like so glad the, you did. The sauna and the, and the, and the cold plunge thing for me has been for a while, this like mental, you know, put yourself through absolute <clears throat> mental hell and physical hell to realize that what you have is great. Yeah. So, uh, I'm so glad you, like, you literally gave me the, I literally have the chills right now, um, because I relate so much to what you just said. So I had my last drink on June 28th, and I haven't had a drop of alcohol since, um, and I'm feeling incredible, like, indescribable. So I struggle with anxiety in, in pretty big ways, and it's been really frustrating for me because my anxiety has presented itself in things that I used to love things that I used to really be passionate about, specifically outdoor adventures. Um, like I used to go and hunt and hike and explore and wildland firefight and all these things that like I used to just do it. And uh, over time, I've, I've developed a pretty significant amount of anxiety that's, that has built up. Um, and I've been actively working on it through exercise and sauna and, you know, cold exposure and, and whatever. But um, on, so my, I turned 33 on June 29th. June 28th, we drove up to my parents' house. We were staying up there for something. I don't even remember why we were up there. But they live in Utah, and the liquor store was closed. Hmm. And I remember being, like, pissed. Like, it's my birthday, and the liquor store was closed. I was all, like, you know, <laughs> and uh, um, the, But I didn't drink, and then I was like, hey. The next day, I was like, I feel pretty good. And then I was like, how cool would it be if, like, it was on my birthday that I stopped you know that i that i didn't drink and so now i haven't drinking since um and i just it literally gave me the chills hearing you talk about that because so it's been another interesting thing too is the whole premise of this is like chasing greatness and mm. i talk to people that inspire me and you know granted this is only my third episode um but alcohol has come up in all three conversations and so has mental health um which i think is insightful you know in terms of like having conversations with people that are actively trying to better themselves and, you know, be on these journeys. Um, so I'm curious, do you think you'll ever go back? 
I don't know. I mean, the, the, the thing of it is, is I will never let it capture me again, if that makes sense. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that I won't ever have a drink again, right? But, but in my mind, it better have a profound impact on the experience. Yeah. Like, I mean, a fucking profound. Because I, unlike you, it was hard. The first first day driving home from Denver, I was hungover driving, like uh, you know, or a little bit, just like you know, we we tore down Denver, like we had a really good time, yeah. it was enjoyable. So kind of got through that, and then the next two days following that, I had full on withdrawals, like no joke. Um, and and I say I was an alcoholic, you know, I didn't get drunk, and maybe that is signs of an alcoholic, but you know, it was such a part of my daily um, habits that I mean, I had a hundred percent withdrawals like shakes feeling miserable headaches and it was just that alcohol the, the 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 sugar and the fact that i was severely overweight you know i mean and i'm still I, I i still have much much room to improve and i and i'm continuing to do so um but you know it was very difficult and i mean it was nowhere near like a heroin with withdrawal like i've read and i've heard about the stories but it was a withdrawal and i i did enjoy it it was it was so unenjoyable. How that long I'm did like, that last? Like, when did you start feeling good? Two full days. So we drove. So that was a Thursday. We went up. We drove back on a Friday, um, Saturday, Sunday. I felt like dog shit, and by Monday I was like, okay, I can do this. So, but on Monday, so this is how my brain works, right? This is me being the dipshit that I am. So I'm going, all right. Well, here's the deal. I've, I'm already I'm already pushing myself through hell, getting off of this alcohol. Let's do the next step. Let's do, what are we doing? What's the next phase? Make it a little worse. Yeah, let's make it a little worse. See how deep we can go into this rabbit hole. And so I had actually been doing a lot of research. And you hear Rogan, you hear Jordan Peterson, you hear everybody talk about it, and they advocate for the caveman diet. I wanted a, a, an article that was down the middle, right, showed the pros and the cons. And I found this really good article. If, if I can find it again, I'll send it to you. But, um, you know, and the guy went through and, like, here's the good and the bad, right, of both sides of this type of diet and not being on this diet and having kind of a balanced thing. And I just looked at it and I was like, you know what? The pros in this moment in my life are outweighing the cons, and I'm going to go for it. So Monday, I started the caveman diet. And so it was like, okay, if you haven't already felt like shit, let's go ahead and go. <laughs> cut base, sugar. Yeah, cut, cut sugar, carbs. cut carbs, which I already didn't. I, don't, I never really ate a lot of carbs. Like, I, I just well, don't and that's, that's exceptionally difficult. Cause, so when I stopped drinking, I crave sweet. I mean, I'm, I, dude, I eat so many cookies now. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, it's a problem. So I, I know how hard that is to cut out alcohol yeah. and sugar. Yeah, yeah. So I did it. I mean, but the thing of it is, is I think – I think in a weird way um, that it kind of helped me focus on something else that also sucked. Like, so, so switching to caveman was shittier than the feelings of not having the alcohol. Really? Yes. But then I was like, I know, like I had, yeah, I had been on the Atkins and all other stuff before. And like you, you, you call it like the carb flu or what are the Atkins flu. And it's like basically your body just feeling like garbage getting off those carbs. And so it was like I was just adding fuel to the fire of like, okay, you're still feeling like crap or, or, or you're still feeling the desire to want to drink. But let's hammer it with doing this caveman thing. And then so, but by the end of the week, I was actually like, you know what? This is not bad. Like, I'm good. I'm ready to rock and roll. And so I've continued it since and uh, doing a steady, like, hit workout routine every single day. I don't care if a doctor calls you about this and says, you need to take daybreak. Nah, mm -mm, nope, that's for the birds. I'm not taking a break. I don't, you know, there's no days off. There's no, none of that shit. I mean, there's been times like two days last week, it was late nights and I was working out at 11 o'clock at night, got in the sauna for 40 minutes after that, got in the cold plunge. I got to bed at one, had to wake back up. I'm like, this whole like, take a break to recover, bullshit. Right now, I will say that with no alcohol on the caveman diet, plenty of water, 
Um, I will work out till I can't lift or move at all, get in the sauna. The next day I wake up, zero pain, zero joint pain, zero muscular fatigue. I can do the same exact workout the following day. And I, I don't know how that's happening. I don't know if that's good or bad. Maybe maybe some would say, oh, you're not working out hard enough. Like, well, come work out with me. <laughs> like, come on. No, no let's, let's do it. Because, I mean, if I'm not, I guarantee you that you. by the time you go from this side of my garage to the sauna, you would want to change you're your done. clothes because you're, you're, you're dripping sweat and you're, like, so just, like... Can we do a workout together? Yeah, let's do it. Sure. Uh, do I ever watch Cameron Haynes' oh, podcast? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they do the lift, run, shoot. Oh, God. And he makes them, like... He like <laughs> You know, grinds them to the ground <laughs> and then makes yeah, a podcast. But, but Cam is like another. He he is uh, he's out of this world. Out like of he's this a, world. He's a freaking beast, man. You yeah. Know? So yeah. Um, now he's he's he definitely gets after it. You know, he gets a lot of shit from everybody online, or not everybody, but a lot of people, some haters. But yeah, the guy just flat gets after it. Yeah. So. But anyways, th- to answer your 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 sauna cold plunge, that was also part of this journey, right? So I could go to Ignacio and get in that that sauna and that's great i love it i try and do that at least once a week because it's a different kind of cook yeah but i needed to have zero excuse and at 10 30 at night after soccer practice and work and da, da 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 you can't go to the rec center right you can't get in the sauna so cut out that excuse put one in your garage if you don't go and do what you said you're gonna do then you're an absolute bitch right there ain't no way there's no getting around it. simply do it yes Get up, do the workout, right? And and a lot of people, I've heard, I've heard a bunch of people be like, you know, you you need to check the size of your pond, right? That's a classic term. Um, you know, like if you're the big fish in the pond and you're working out, like there's nobody going to push you up. My thing about it is I work out alone, but I do it because I need to remind myself daily, if no one else is there, what kind of person are you going to be? Are you going to be that person that says, oh, you know what, I could, I could skate this day. I could, I'll get it tomorrow, you know? And those days have happened, like, right? I've, I've been that mentally tired and be like, okay, here's the way your mind works, Kyle. You know that if you skip today, you're doing not only tomorrow's workout, but you're doing today's workout, and you're going to do double the sauna and double the cold plunge. You know that's how your brain works. So get your ass in the garage. I don't care if it's 1030 or 11 or midnight. And get it get done. Get the workout done because I want to make sure that I'm accountable to myself. Nobody's there. It's, there's, no, there's no camera out here. You know, we're not, we're not filming ourselves for Instagram to show these people, oh, I'm working. I'm, 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 in, I'm in my garage working out. Please applaud me. Please let right. me know that I'm doing good. Looking for the Fuck affirmation. That. Yeah. We're in here because you, got, you committed to yourself. Yeah. So are you going to do it? And so the thing of it is, is the, the sauna, um, and shortly here the pool will be down, so i got to get a cold plunge. But it's like the sauna's right there. It takes 22 minutes to heat up to full temp. You have no excuses, zero excuses. Get it in. Get in there and get it done. I love it. I just, so I actually I just bought a hot tub and right. I'm I'm picking it up on Saturday. Um, and then we've got like a, a horse trough mm-hmm. in the backyard that, and I've I've bought a whole bunch of uh, Tupperware. Oh yeah. You know, uh, like cheap Tupperware that I have in my chest freezer sure. frozen and yeah. you know all of that good stuff. But I just think it's so cool. You know, a lot of it, it's so interestingly aligned with the whole point of why I'm trying to do this anyway is that. I'm finding these things that are making me happy and making me feel fulfilled and making me, uh, you know, feel like I'm being the best version of myself. And you said something when you were talking about that journey that just I, I relate to in such a huge way. I was telling my wife that the other day we, we took the kids and we just hiked up to, to Spud Lake, which, believe it or not, and I here's me being a little vulnerable because we live in Durango and it's all these like extreme. That was a big thing for me because I used to get anxiety 
doing that. Take, you get an anxiety because you're taking your kids now with you and then you're yeah, like worried think, or protective mode or like what? Yeah, I think that it's like I I feel like I have to, you know, make sure that there's all these things in place that if something were to go wrong, yeah. the family's fine. If we got lost or if there was a fire or weather came in or an animal or, you know, I had like mm-hmm. future trip on all these things. And we went up to Spud Lake and just had a ton of fun and, and you know, didn't overpack, didn't overthink, went up and did it. And it was great for me. Um, and I was telling my wife about it afterwards and cause you had said something about kind of feeling like you were, you're a different, you're an older version of your in feeling like you're a past version of yourself. Mm-hmm. I was telling that to my wife that I feel like I'm like college Ben again mm-hmm. and it's exhilarating. Like I have a passion for stuff again and I'm feeling energized and, um, it's amazing too. Like, and, and you know, all, it's not just alcohol, it's exercising, it's, you know, doing, putting in the work and things like that. But, um, I think that it's wild because you start to realize like how far you can go without some of that stuff. Like I'm, I'm grinding right now. I'm, I'm working out like crazy. I'm running a company that's rapidly growing. Uh, Of course, you know, started a podcast, (laughs) personal brand, (laughs) writing blogs, being a parent. And like, it's there, you know, you can do it. You just have to, to your point, simply do it. Yeah. You know, keep, keep doing the work, show up and and get it done regardless of how you feel. Like if you don't, if you don't feel like it, which I just think is, I just think it's fascinating that that has come up in all of my conversations so far on the show is, uh, you know, people finding, arriving at the same conclusion, but in different ways, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think is, is super insightful. Yeah. I mean, Um, it's, it's hard too, because it it is, uh, it's ingrained in American lifestyle. Right, it really is. Like, there's definitely a small sliver of people that, um, you know, don't don't actually imbibe in alcohol. You know, there's it's it's really small, and um, you know, so it, it it's like you start to equate those events, camping, those uh, whatever that may be, as just being part of, you know that's that that style of living you start to just say okay well we're gonna go there and we, you just know you don't even think about drinking we're just going to have a drink or we're gonna do this yeah it's like and i can't quit because we're going camping next weekend yeah yeah or whatever you brought up camping too which so since i've been sober i've been on several camping trips um my family and i had a nightmare uh travel delay situation where we end up having to stay the night in dallas a few nights and like all that stuff stayed sober through that but i think the one i'm most proud of and for me which it was pr- probably the most profound moment too is my brother got married and i was the best man mm. in the wedding and so i did all of the best man you know all the groomsmen stuff the night before and you know the, the rehearsal dinner and stayed at the airbnb with everybody or whatever and then the wedding and I did the best man speech and all of that. And I even danced like an idiot. And I like, there's photos of me with, you know, a backwards hat on and my collar popped and, you know, getting low and doing the whole thing. And it was really cool because I genuinely believe I had just as much fun as anybody, if not even more fun than anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to intentionally choose to do so. Like I had to know that this is important. I need to drink some extra caffeine or whatever and, and make it fun. But I had a wonderful time. Yeah. And I remember every moment of it. It was crystal clear memory. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning I woke up and murfed. It felt great yeah. the next morning. So it's just cool. That, it's so cool to hear the, the parallels with, with that. So congratulations. Yeah, no, absolutely. Congratulations I, to you too. <laughs> I cheer for you loudly because I really believe that the best versions of us are what the world deserves and you know what your kids deserve and mm-hmm. your business or your dreams or whatever. And I just think it's really cool that 
the best version of you is getting a you know is 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 existing and it's just yeah. it's just awesome yeah i mean well i'm smiling right <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a that's a that's a big deal i mean when you start to lose your smile you start to lose a little bit of your soul you know at, and it's it's sometimes you just find yourself in a weird numb place and you can't describe it you can't figure it out and whether it's from the world just not giving you a fucking break um you know sometimes you get into it and you just you, you start to kind of realize like you're just not smiling inside I'm, you know and I, and I say i'm smiling again like right now like you know i'm, I'm happy like and, and it did it took i mean don't get me wrong it took three four weeks before i was less awkward around people right it's because like i wanted to make sure that that time i had like if i'm going to be sober at this event i i want to enjoy my time to the utmost ability and i start and even still now, like I'm, I'm, I'm okay with being in certain applications, but you know, um, I found myself in some situations the other day where I was just like, you know what, this is not fun. Maybe, maybe the Kyle that had a good buzz on thought that this would be a good idea, and you know, and that's fine, that's all good, and I love all those guys that I was with, but it, for me personally, it, it's like, no, nah, I'm good. I can spend my time doing something else that actually I get true fulfillment from. And, and I'm starting to kind of realize that. And I talked to a friend about that the other day. I was like, hey, man, I just, am I being weird? Is this me being an asshole? And he's just like, I think you're starting to smile again. Like you're starting to remember the things that you, you stopped or you forgot along the way that you actually enjoyed. Mm. Like you may not enjoy that. You, you, you might have gotten through it and you might have faked a laugh because you had a little bit of alcohol in your system. But like did you actually at your core love it? Probably not. I can tell you right now as a sober person, I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. I love those people individually, absolutely. As a group, absolutely. But the situation was like, you know what? I can do something better with my time, with my family, with my work, with my life that I know I'm going to get more enjoyment and fulfillment out of than this scenario. And I don't think I would have realized that had I not been, you know, sober. And so, I, you know, I don't know. Have relationships changed? Um, with my wife, just in general, um, no lost friends, made friends closer. No, I mean, I'm sure along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a homebody anyways. I mean, my closest friends know me like they, they realize they, there's a, let's say five times out of 10, I'm not going to answer that phone call. I'm just not, I'm, I'm doing something. If you love me and you know, I love you back, you know, that I'm going to get a hold of you eventually, you know, that we're still going to be friends, but like this this life we have and and i struggle with this and i'm not saying this is good or bad but like this life we have is so short you know and and it's hard not to allow life whether it be work or friends or whatever to encroach onto the things that you cherish the most for me that's my family that's my time and sometimes that's my work that's a passion project that's the podcast that's a this and it's hard for me to sometimes allow the outside world to come into that and i don't mean outside like people that i don't know it's it's like there's a line and sometimes I'll pick and choose when I'm going to answer that phone. My closest friends know that, and they're okay with that. The other people that are just there in this life with me, if they can't accept that, or if I'm quicker to make a decision to leave that scenario that I'm in because I'm not enjoying it, fuck off. Like, I really, you know, I, I don't, if if our relationship is only a relationship or was because of this there was thing. alcohol involved, yeah. then... That, that relationship was meant to die. It was doomed from day one anyways. So we're both better off if we just cut it right down the middle and just say, cool, I don't wish you any malice at all, 
but you know, I'm good, man. And you should be good too. Um, but you know, my wife is, you know, again, she's the strongest person I've, I've ever met. Like she's just solid to the fucking core. And, um, no, she, you know, she's, she's basically stopped drinking a few drinks here and there, but it's not because of what I'm doing. And I've told her like, you want to drink, do your thing. This is for me internally. And, um, yeah, she's like happy. She's pleased. She's, she's like, go get it, go work out. Like, absolutely. Like I got the kids or, you know, if I'm at home randomly at noon, because I know I've got something coming up and I'm in the gym and she's like, Hey, you know, good job working out. Um, that relationship's only gotten stronger, but her and I are, we're, I mean, like peanut butter and jelly did. Like, I mean, honestly, like nothing will ever break us. Nothing. You know, the only thing that will ever break us is if we allow ourselves to get so lost with each other. Yeah. Like we, me and her, we will be the only thing to ever break us. Cause there's been some shit that has happened in our lives. Nothing in this outside world can break us. Yeah. I promise you that nothing. Um, so she's, she's there for sure. But, but, and I, you know, if anybody hears this, I'm not trying to say cut people out of your life because you got to make a change. You know, you listen to the 12 step program that works for a lot of people. Congratulations. Um, you know, and, and part of that is like repenting for your sins and making amends with past ones, you know, and it's like, you know, but that's not where I'm at. It, it's not me. I didn't, you destroy or burn bridges. It's just, you start to realize real quickly that if you give that time to that person, if you don't, if it's not reciprocal, if you don't get something equal and opposite back from it, then that's a loss to you, not to that person, Right. you know? Like, so it's, it's hard. It's like, you, you got to get enjoyment out of every second of life, you know, because, or at least plan to, because there's going to be those little divots that come in and they suck, you know? Or at least have the stuff that's not enjoyable, purposeful. Exactly. You know, cause yeah. like look, there's going to be, there's hard things. Like you're going to have to struggle and grind or do the thing you don't want to do. But as long as it's like for an end goal, that's greater than the, than the, the hard is, you yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which I think is uh, kind of an interesting way to look at that too. Cause it's not all, it can't all be good, but at yeah. least hopefully then you choose the hard and that the hard contributes to a better good long-term, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. It really does. Um, yeah, I just, sorry, think, you know, thinking about what I just said, I just hope that your audience, listening audience or watching audience. It's an enormous audience. Yeah, it's so massive. <laughs> I just hope they don't understand that, like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not advocating for just cutting people out of your life because you're making a mental change or a shift in your own life, right? Well, I do think, though, so one thing I've experienced is kind of, I'll try to think how to, how to artic- articulate it properly, but I've been on a journey as well. Um, and mine has been in a lot of ways, holistic, you know, alcohol has been one component of it. Physical fitness has been a huge component of it. My mental health has been a huge component of it. Um, my relationship with my wife and how I parent and building a business and, you know, personal finances or whatever. I've just kind of been on this journey for a few years now of trying to be the best version of myself that I can be. Um, and it's going to sound weird, but it's lonely. And so it's not even like necessarily cutting people out, just that on a different path, mm-hmm. you know, just headed somewhere else. Yeah. Not necessarily that that's better or worse or good or bad or, you know, anything like that. But I have found it's kind of a lot like what you're talking about with, you know, protecting your, your energy with those dynamics. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, if it's not working, let it end. It's no, you know, no big deal. Sure. I think it's a, kind of a lot of that as we all kind of progress and evolve, we realize like, I've got to do what I've got to do. Mm-hmm. I've got to stay on my path because I'm on a journey. Yeah. And, you know, you hope that the people in your life are on 
a journey as well. But I think that sometimes there's like this tug of war, you know, whose journey are we on right now? Sure. Where, you know, when we were young, there wasn't a journey, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was a ride. It, yeah. You know, it was so great <laughs> yeah. to go hang out at our, the buddy's house, play beer pong, do whatever. Um, and I think that those dynamics by nature are more conducive to friendships. Yeah. You know, it's like those type of relationships. Mm-hmm. And then once you start heading somewhere, though, so I had, um, and I want to get back to, remind me about the smile comment gotcha. that you said. Um, but you talked about how, I forget exactly what your words were, but you essentially were talking about how life is short, you know, and, and it's fleeting. It, life is fleeting. So I ran a marathon on Saturday and at mile 22, which you've run marathons, you know how painful mile 22 is. It's like the moment, like it's like the hardest part. I didn't know the new, the, the marathon had a new course. Mm-hmm. And at mile 22, I ran past my grandparents' old house. Mm. And, uh, so I'm in this immense amount of physical pain. It's also kind of this microcosm for like this journey that I've been on because I was crushing the marathon too, yeah. by the way. Um, but I ran past my grand- grandparents' house who have you know since passed. So they're, they're, they've, they've passed a while back. Um, and this flood of thoughts entered into me of like, my parents don't have parents. And someday I won't have parents. Mm-hmm. And someday my kids won't have parents. God willing, like, let's hope it goes in that order. But um, it was so crystal clear for me that, like, and I'm, like, metaphorically running this marathon while I'm also on a marathon of life Mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to improve. Running past a clear example of how fleeting life is, and it became so crystal clear that we have to do the best things we can do, mm-hmm. even though sometimes they're painful, like getting the workout in in the garage or sitting in the sauna or whatever it might be, because it really is fleeting. And I hope that at least someday at the end of all this, like for me, it's all a success if somebody's talking at my funeral and everybody's like, well, Ben left it all on the field. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he held nothing back. There's a, a thing I saw the other day that was that hell is when who you are meets who you could have been <laughs> and i was like oh you know uh, yeah. kind of hit me hard yeah no there's a lot there's a lot to that you know i mean i've i've uh i've struggled with that many a times of just like finding yourself at like the end of this road and just kind of feeling defeated and starting to work yourself backwards through your mind of like you know who you are and and you know it's like yeah i, I think it's it's we start to define ourselves by most often what we do as a profession right you are an electrician you are a plumber you are a business owner um and and that's hard when when those things take a hiccup or they crash and burn right and they melt down around you and like your whole world is done it's hard to kind of think past the fact of like what am i because i I align myself with that so closely that that's what I was. That's who I was. That's who I am. Right. And so I think that a lot of times when you, when you are met with the, 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 these like hardships and they could be self-inflicted hardships with workout or struggle or things like that, you have a moment and an opportunity to sort of micro redefine yourself Ooh, I like that. You 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 can 
beat that battle. You can beat that demon for just a second. It's going to eventually kick your ass, right? It's going to eventually get you down. But, you know, I, I struggled. I mean, after, you know, I, I, I had to, I, I, now I say I shut down because I, I shut down my company, right? Because the, the conversation can go for two hours if, if I lengthen it. But the reality of it is, is we, you know, I previously owned an electrical company and we had great successes. We grew so fast. And that's where I hear, you know, like you saying you're growing, right? And growth is great as long as it's smart and projected and you stick to your projections. When you supersede those projections and you think you know better than the economy, that's when you get fucked. And we did. We got royally screwed. We, we, uh, we underbid a job, and we lost our asses, and we were such a small company that we had to shut the doors, literally and figuratively. And I had to personally file for bankruptcy. My partner had to file for bankruptcy. We had, like, we had people coming in there literally grabbing things, liquidating everything. You want to talk about being defeated? Holy cow, I, I invested every dollar I had ever saved my entire adult life into this company. We had 32 guys. We had four office admin. We had just before all this happened, we had dropped down to three. So I employed my brother, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, my wife. They were all on payroll, you know? And so I just screwed up, man. I couldn't, I couldn't escape it. I couldn't get away. And I tried to go back into business with my younger brother. And, um, you know, and we, uh, we did really good for kind of a small, small outfit. It was just me and him. It was good to kind of get back on my tools, get around like being defeated, but ultimately left and went to Texas, right? And so in Texas, it was great because I worked so much that I kind of masked the struggles, the mental health issue that was just sitting there, right? Just like a freaking balloon ready to pop. And then COVID hit and, um, you know, we got our hours cut just like everywhere else, but we were essential employees. So we had to go to work, right? The governor of Texas was like, nope, you got to go. So we, we did have to work 40 hours a week, but it was, I mean, no joke, half of what we were working. We were working so much, guns a-blazing, and the money was great, and it was just every, you know, buy whatever you want, kids. It's all good. We got it in the bank. And that all changed for the, the country, and I'm, I'm speaking about me, but it all changed for the country, you know, overnight. And it allowed me to start to reflect on what the fuck are you doing in Texas? What are you doing, man? And I, and I will never forget this moment. I've talked about it at nauseum. Um, I was driving down a dirt road and I had just down, downloaded a song. Uh, a lot of guys down there listen to um, like Texas dirt road music, right? And they're always sharing music with me and stuff. Oh, I got to listen to this. And it was really great. Um, and they had sit, turned me on to uh, Ashley McBride. And so I'm listening to it and um, her song, uh, Girl Next Door, comes on. And I, I think it's off her first or second album. But either way, it, um, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know how. Um, but it struck a chord with me so viscerally that I had to pull over on this dirt road and I just, I, I, I shit you not, man. I broke down physically, mentally. I'm crying like a baby. I mean, I, you know, I, I never cried like that. You know, I'd shed a couple of tears like out of anger most of the time. Like we're just so furious that like you're kind of like those emotions are really, really close to each other that you're crying. I never cried like this and I didn't know why I was crying. And I, I mean, I honestly sat there for 30, 35 minutes and just, it was like it popped. All the stress just bottled up, bottled up, bottled up. In one moment, a note out of a song, a, 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 a vocal that this, this lady with a beautiful voice articulated, it just, I mean, it was like the needle in the bloom, boom, and went on about my day. And from that point forward, though, it was like something had changed in me. Like I was far more emotional. And I was like, 
not with anger, but with like, with like sadness and with, with this just like feeling of like not being able to define who I was like as a person or as a father, or as a husband and being like, what is wrong? And that song is really weird. If you listen to it, it it's kind of like a, you know, she had people in her life that were basically negative towards her dreams. Like she wanted to chase being a musician and then she got there and then all of a sudden they came back. Okay, well, we heard you on the radio, but don't forget, don't forget the people that were back home when you fail, you know, and it was this constant like battle and she's kind of like giving like a fuck you and, you know, not bad for a girl, not bad for a girl going nowhere. Yeah. And so the song really doesn't actually ring true, but I, I, I had to rush to Texas to escape what I had began to define myself as. I had to get away from it because I didn't know how to fix it. You know, it was so defeating to go, you know, talk to Bruce Daniels at that time at Kogan Builders and be like, Bruce, like, can I, can I please just have some work, you know, with, with my brother and I? You know, they had seen every iteration. They, you know, we had the lion's share of Kogan's work. We had a ton of work with all these builders in town. We had a ton of work with Red Cedar. And all these people I knew for years, like, that were like, man, you're kicking ass, Kyle. Like, holy shit, you're really growing. Like, to go back and look them in the face and be like, I failed. Like, not only, I didn't fail. I failed all 30 of those guys and their families and my own family. I failed miserably. You know, and to go back and to talk to them and be like, can I please, I'm begging you. I need a little bit of work to survive. Me and my brother need this house. And, you know, bless Bruce's heart. Some people hate him. Some people love him. I'm on the love side. The guy stuck up for me when nobody else would in this working world and got us just a little bit of stuff. But either way, I felt like every grocery store I went to, every movie, if I bumped into somebody, I kept having to constantly, like, apologize. I felt like I was going through the 12-step program. It's where I was like having to apologize to all these people that I had failed or that I felt embarrassed around because I had to shut down my company that I did something right. And so I'm sitting in Texas and I'm realizing that, like, what are you doing here? Like, this is not the answer. Like, Texas is not the answer. And we did enjoy our time there. We, we enjoyed being alone and we grew as a family because we got there and we didn't know anybody. And then COVID hit and we couldn't know anybody, right? We didn't have the opportunities. And so we got really close with each other and that still carries through to the day. And so that's a lot of like my friend base, you know, they do want to hang out a lot, but we're totally comfortable with just the four of us. You know, we learn real quickly that that's all we need sometimes. But so anyways, we, we ultimately moved back here. But I, but I knew coming back here is that what am I going to do? Am I going to go back and be an electrician? Am I going to go back and call Bruce and say, hey, Bruce, I'm back in town. I'd like to take another shot at being an electrician and grow this company again. To do what? To, to prove to who that I'm worthy? Everybody else? You know? And right. so I knew that I, I, I wasn't there yet on my journey. I'm still not finished with this journey. But I knew at that moment when we were coming back that, like, I didn't owe anybody shit. I didn't owe anyone an apology. Like, I had already fought those demons and freaking wore that burden as a badge of honor for long enough to where it like literally tried to, it, it almost started to destroy me. It, it made me have to really, really work through some mental, uh, mental health issues. And, but, but thankfully I had clear enough of a mind at that time to be like, I don't owe anybody. But if I go back into the industry that I've been a part of for 17 years, I will inevitably feel like I have to apologize to all of them. So you made a change for you. I had to. I had to. 
you know, and people think I'm crazy. Like, oh, you're, you're so flighty. You, you, you know, you can't, we can't trust you like, you know, um, because you've done this and you've changed iterations of your company's names and all this stuff. And like the reality of it is I was trying to salvage 31 jobs. Right. And that's not just 31 people. Those, all of them had kids. And so I was trying to do everything I can as a human being, sacrificing myself, my bank account, finding a company that they could land at and work and continue. Right. That's not what everybody sees. They see the fact that you went from this company to this company to this company. With all 31 of those people, I was trying to make sure that they could have something. Right. I can't promise you anything past this, but here's a job, and they're willing to pay you. And it's all, all of our same work, and we're just going to rake it over the table and keep you in the same job, keep working for the same clients. You just have a different pay stub. Right. You know? And so if I came back, though, I knew that I was going to have to apologize or feel guilty to all these people in this industry again. And so I had to make a decision right then and there. And... I didn't come upon, uh, upon that decision until I was sitting in a hotel room in North, or not North Dakota, I'm sorry, in Montana, by myself, working windmills. I got a really good opportunity to go up there and work for three months, made insane amounts of money because I knew whatever I was going to do, it was going to take time and money. So I had to have a, I had to have a cushion. Uh, yeah. And so I went up there, and I was alone, alone. I mean, I didn't know anybody. I knew one person on this crew who was my boss. But he was staying in a whole nother town. I was in this hotel room that was barely bigger than your studio here. And I was miserable, miserable. And I decided I need a change and, and I got to do something different. And it was real estate. I don't even know why, realistically. I had a friend tell me, why don't you just be a real estate agent? That's cool. That sounds good enough for me. Let's do that. You know, and then, and then fast forward, right? We're three years into it. This year's obviously been different, not, not only the industry and everything like that, but I killed myself last year to try and make sure that I could prove myself to the industry again. Here I am, proving myself in this industry to all these other people that could care less about me or my family, proving myself, trying to make sure that I'm worthy to the giants, that they know my name, that I'm doing good, and I've sacrificed everything, my body, my mind, my mental health. I'm sacrificing again. I'm just wearing a different hat. I'm a real estate agent, but I'm doing the same exact the same, actions yeah. that I was doing in the electrical world. And so I realized at that moment, it has to stop. You may not, if you don't kill yourself and sacrifice, you may not make the money that the giants in our industry make. That's fine. You got to be okay with that because there's something more important. And I promise you, I may not make that money. That's okay. I'm fine with that. My, my family gets my time and the time that I spend on my work, th th that is the amount of time that I'm, I'm allowing myself to give to that because at the end of the day, if I sacrifice into my family's time that I need to allot to them, I'll never get it back. I'll never get it back. But what, what I wanted to get at is that I kept trying to define myself by what I was doing. I am a real estate agent. I am an electrician. You know, I am a father. I am a this, right? You can do that. You can sit there and tell yourself that you are these things. But those things do not define you, right? They, they really and truly don't. It's easy to say this is what I am, right? But not on who this, I am. Yes. On this journey that I'm on now, I am learning every single day who I am. What kind of a person am I? You know, and there's, like you say, it's lonely. It's, it can be bitter and it can be lonely, but I am so sick of trying to define myself in whatever industry I'm working in because I think that they need to give me approval. Right. And, I, and I've learned, man, I've really learned that like, regardless of if they give you that approval, 
things can change in a moment. And that approval means dog shit. It means nothing in any industry, right? You're only as good as what you can put forth in that single day. And, and I'm starting to learn that it's not important as who's defining you or what you do. It's who you are. Yeah. And it's taken me a long time. Three years to the day, I listened to that same song last night because I was coming in here and I was like, I'm going to just see if, I'm, if I talk about this, does it make me want to break down? And I put it on. My son's never heard the song. We're driving to soccer practice, right? And, like, we're driving into town. The clouds are, I mean, it's like God parted the clouds, and there's, like, rays coming down. It's very, you know, apple glow and beautiful. And I heard the song, and I just smiled. I, I genuinely, from, from ear to ear, I smiled. I didn't get sad. I didn't get confused. You know, I didn't get anything other than, like, all right, man. I don't know what you're doing, but you're on the right path. But yeah, I can't define what that's going to look like in two years. I have no idea. None of us really do. And that's the thing is like we, we don't know. All you have is right now, right this moment, to do something. And if it's not good, then why are you doing it? Right. If you don't get enjoyment, then why are you doing it? And I'm sure people are going to hear this and go, "Well, it must be easy for you. Maybe you've got money or whatever. I'm living paycheck to paycheck, daddy." Paycheck to fucking paycheck, but I'm smiling. Yeah. Do you think that's a better definition then of, I'm trying to think how to define that difference between what you are and who you are. Like you kind of touched on that. It seems to me like a theme there might be the way you feel is the, de- is the difference. It, you know, cause trying to think about how you, how you would explain like who you are versus what you do or what you are or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. And I think at least, you know, for me personally on my journey, which has been, you know, somewhat similar, a lot of it has been like, do I feel happy? Yeah. At least like, do I feel fulfilled? Sure. Or, you know, feel like I have energy. There's that. uh, And I think just so you know, I I want you to know that my hat is off to you in in so many ways um, because what you've done with your podcast what you've done in general with just the life that you're living but especially with your podcast is that you've given people a space to tell their story and I love when we were talking about the the we built an empire the idea behind it and you were just telling me that basically everybody has a story to Mm -hmm. to tell which I think is so neat but you've also given people a space to open up and be authentic and vulnerable and kind of let it out and it's really therapeutic in a lot of ways which I, I think is is fascinating um, because, you know, I, I think to like that idea of who you are versus what you are and, and how you feel mm-hmm. a lot of what, what I think has gone on is, is trying to figure out this, this formula or whatever it is, like the, the variables that help people feel better mm-hmm. measure success on that, you know, and I, and I think, and, and especially one of the things I especially appreciate about, what you've done. And I, I think it really, it really hit home for me, kind of the space that you've created when you had your episode with Jeremy, you guys talked about ketamine and, you know, his story and, and all of that stuff. I just think it was, it, 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 it was one of those episodes that really moved me. It inspired me. Sure. Um, because especially male mental health, I think, you know, mental health in general is, is stigmatized and, and we're working past it as a, as a culture, but I think male mental health especially is hard because of masculinity mm-hmm. and, and, you know, these ideas of like grin and bear it and tough it out and, you know, get it done or whatever it might be. Um, 
And then that idea, have you ever heard that quote that most men lead lives of quiet desperation? Mm -hmm. And I just think that it's so powerful when somebody like you has the courage to say, I'm living a life of desperation and I'm going to not do that anymore, yeah. which in a lot, you know, cause like what's harder, you know, to keep living the life of desperation or to get out of that comfort zone and make the, make the change. Yeah. It's like that there, I, I don't know if you've ever seen the saying or not, but it's like, pick your heart, right? Like marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Choose your heart. Being yeah. fat is hard. Being in shape is hard. Choose your heart. Being broke is hard. Being rich is hard. Choose your heart. Like, yeah. you know, whatever. But I think that, you know, in your case, it's like hard to stay in Texas, hard to keep doing what you're doing there. But it's also really hard to come back. And, and I, I, I want to hear more about the thought process behind that. Like, do you feel like that moving to Texas was an attempt at a start over? Was it, were you running away? Were you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, real, realistically, so um, like I was saying, my, my brother and I had a smaller company, just him and I turning wrenches. Um, and so we got an opportunity to go up to this big project. It was a, it was a lighting replacement project on a 50,000 square foot home in Ridgeway. And so we worked for this company, uh, Williams Electric. Matt Williams is a great guy, great friend. And um, um, in, in that same time frame, um, you know, he he does a lot of very, very high profile uh, homes for electricity, you know, for electrical work or electrical services um, in the Telluride market and surrounding areas, right? So he actually was awarded the contract for Oprah. Um, and they gave me an opportunity to go up and manage the electrical for that job. That's a huge, it's a monster house, six-year build-out. And so I went up there, and we looked at it, and, and it was like I was ready to go to work for them, you know? And what they offered me was okay. It wasn't life-changing money. It was just okay. And uh, honestly, got a call from a really good friend of mine, um, and uh, he was like, hey, I kind of need some... You know, I, I had previously worked for BP in, in, in years past. I was an employee, and I quit because I didn't like all the red tape, right? It's, 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 it's just not meant for me. And um, anyways, got a call from one of my buddies that was currently still employed with BP and was like, hey, you should come to Texas. And blah, blah, blah. So we started thinking about it. And then I'm like, all right, well, what is it going to pay? And all this is like, holy shit, that's a lot of money, you know? But all, all this time, it's like I'm, I still hadn't addressed the issues, right? Mm. You know, and so when this opportunity came up, it was a, the original plan was to go to Texas for three years and come back and, you know, be back to a financially solvent uh, scenario. And that was the reality. That's what we were going to do. And uh, it made sense on paper. But all again, these, these decisions are happening. And, and when you're making decisions, I, I'm very much, you know, um, a, a huge proponent. Like, I don't believe in the secret or anything, but the laws of attraction are, are pretty pretty apparent at times and and I, I think that they are because when you are so attracted to one specific thing everything else takes a back burner if you're focused on that laser beam in on something everything else is over here so what's going to naturally happen you're going to focus all your time and your energy towards that thing so the same thing happened with texas with with me it was like okay boom trigger happens all right well money's there and we're going to make a move and a bit of but i wasn't addressing the issues of like i still felt like an absolute failure right and so when we got to Texas, like I was saying, the money was masking everything. We, we felt great. We had a decent house. We ended up buying a house there. And, um, you know, it was, it was all good. But it was, it was the moment of when it slowed down, when I all of a sudden I had to start 
how do I you had to be how present. do I be present in my thoughts when I'm only working three and a half days a week? <laughs> it's not enough. You know, it's like, oh my God, I gotta be here for my family. And I wasn't right. And I was I actually was working out heavily down there and I got down to um hundred and ninety two pounds. I was looking really good. I was feeling good, sort of. But I wasn't addressing this part. I wasn't addressing the head, you know, I wasn't addressing um the thoughts I was having, you know, and so it was just like I had to start to deal with that. And then that that deal with that song and like all of a sudden all these emotions coming out of nowhere. And, and my wife always teases me. Like I'm just not emotional. I'll cry at movies. And I was like crying at movies. I was like getting up off the couch. Just like my kids wouldn't see me I'm like, my tears. I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing, man? You know, and that's it's hard as a father. You know? I mean it, it it's 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 not uh, you know, you should be able to comfortably show those emotions to your children because you need to let them know that it's okay at certain times to have those emotions and you shouldn't be ashamed of those, but it's hard when, when you're not taught that as a child, it's hard when you don't know how to deal with those emotions as an adult to all of a sudden be in front of your kids and your family. And like, you're crying like a baby over a movie where a dog died, you know, like, and, and so I just started, it just started really weighing on me weighing on me weighing on me. It was like things changing within the organization. And it was just like, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, I, I don't want to be here. I knew it. I don't want to, I don't want to be here. I don't want to, I'm not enjoying this life. And, um, that was, that was the biggest like caveat that made me want to move, but I didn't have a plan, right? I didn't have a, I didn't have a plan of attack. I wasn't sure how I was getting back here. I just knew we needed to be home. And, you know, thank God for my mother and father-in-law. They let us come back. We stayed with them in a bedroom that had its own bathroom and we lived there for 10 months. We kind of get back here and figure out life and, and just get things going again. But, um, yeah, it was. When did you did you feel like you that whole idea of having to prove yourself or you know apologize or whatever? However, you explained it a few different ways. But did that still was that still a reality when you came back and and started back in real estate, or did you feel like you kind of got past that and no. you were doing it for you at that point? No, it's still it's still prevalent every day. It's it's it always is knocking at the back door of of me. One, I, like I'm, I have lived my entire life as the underdog, you know, and I kind of like it. It gives me this fire. It gives me the, the thing in the song, right, that made me break down is to be able to turn back. Like if you if you don't believe in me, like I'll fucking show you. Yeah, I'll fucking show you. And the thing of it is, is like there's a lot of haters out there, right? But, you know, you know who you are. You're if you happen to listen, you know who you are. Tell me one time I didn't prove you wrong. Yeah. Tell me one time I didn't prove you wrong. So I like being the underdog. I like that challenge. But I like the challenge. But I also like not having to define myself by proving myself to you. Mm. And so that's that's where I'm still learning. Every so it's like use day. it as the fuel, use it as the fire, but mm-hmm. not as the measurement. Yeah. Yeah. Your measurement is not to prove it's, it's self-worth self-worth and that's what i didn't realize i'm always trying to look for achievements or accolades from other other people or the industry or you know financial accolades right like i've you know we had the millions of dollars in our in our in our company's bank account like i've been there man like when you can go down and buy 10 trucks from durango motor company in one day like that really happened you know, I'm not worried about that stuff. Like, yes, do I wish I had a little bit of a cushion just like every other American sure. in this world? Hell yeah, absolutely. But I'm not going to let it define me. I can't, I, that measurable accolade will come and go. Trust me. I've made it. I've lost it. I've made it. And I'm back down to the bottom. 
it's just money. You know, I'm sick of defining myself by that fucking accolade. Yeah. There's something more in life, you know? And so, yes, to answer the question, it's always knocking at the back door of, like, trying to prove myself, you know? And, and a weird thing, um, uh, you know, I was working with this digital agency for a little while trying to build a website and trying to do some things like that. It ultimately didn't work out. Like, we just kind of... I was still dealing with some mental stuff. I needed to get through on my own, right? I wasn't ready to do this, but they, they're great people. Um, and, uh, you know, it was really funny because she told me um, I showed up to an event. So, so, here, so real quick, just a little, let me preface this. So I got these, this set of tattoos when I was 18 years old. Right, I was in a rock band. We were traveling the West Coast. We were playing music. I, that's what I wanted to do. Like that. That was that was at that point who I was defining myself as. You are a singer in a rock band, and this is who you are. This is what you want to do. And and I didn't get these because of that. I got these just because I, I simply wanted them. But when we found out that we were having a child, I went into freakout mode. You got to get a job. You got to be serious. You got to get a career. You need to make money to provide for your kid and your family. You, like the games are, it's done. You got to be serious. And I started to cover up my tattoos because still, even, even in this world, but especially like with the older demographic in the oil and gas world, those guys are running shit. They're in the office. They're doing stuff. They judge you. They'll absolutely, they may not say it to your face. They see you covered in tattoos. You're immediately less intelligent. Lower, yeah. Immediately less intelligent, regardless of, of your actual capacity. And so I started to cover them up. I covered my tattoos for almost 10 years. 10 years. I took my, I wore a short sleeve shirt in when I was finally the owner of Monarch Energy Group was my previous company. And I wore a short sleeve shirt, nice dress shirt. My guys came in and they're like, whoa, you have tattoos. And I was like, I immediately went on the defense, and I, I will not forget the conversation. I said this to one of my guys. It was like, this doesn't change our relationship at all. You understand that? I'm still your boss. We are friendly with each other. This doesn't change. And I was like, why did I even have to do that? And so anyways, um, so Kelsey Parks, was uh, she was the one. She was the, the um, digital person that I was working with. And I showed up to this meeting, and she's like, yeah, you should, you should rock your tattoos. Like, I feel like that's a part of who you are. Like that, you know, you did that for a reason. Maybe it's a past life, but like, you know, why, why are you hiding those all the time? And so from day one on the podcast, I, actually in two episodes, but I did have my sleeves pulled up and it was a little bit chilly in the garage when we first started. I've always made it a point to show my tattoos, no matter what. Because in that moment, when I'm in front of the guest, I want to be vulnerable. Yeah. And this, this sometimes makes me feel ashamed, depending on the scenario. Because again, in my brain, I'm trying to prove myself to somebody, right? And I've gone to listing presentations with with millionaires to get a home and shown up with short sleeve shirts because like, if you don't do that, you're defeating everything you're trying to get better from. And I didn't get that appointment and that's okay. I didn't get that listing because I know that there was judgment. I know it and that's all right. That's that person has their right to judge that person based on looks. It's going to happen every single day. But I made this decision when I was 18. That's 20 years ago. I can't get away from this decision. It is who I am. So if, if I don't embrace it and I, and I don't become okay with that, you know, um, in, in society, in the world, then I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm not fixing the problem. I'm not right. addressing the problem. Now, there's definitely certain times where, you know, I will, I will go – talk to a specific person or something like that. And I do wear long sleeves sometimes because I enjoy long sleeves. I like dressing in a nice dress shirt. 
But there's other times where I've purposely... As you say, almost like on principle. On principle. Like, look, I want you to judge me on the work that I'm going to do. Not on, not on that. But that's a hurdle because it's you. every book is judged by its cover, no matter who you are. No matter how much you know openness to the world and society, society you have, you will judge that person because you're going to be like, maybe it's like, oh, oof, why would he have done that? Well, it's because I was fucking 18 in a rock band and I didn't realize that I was going to be talking to a millionaire trying to sell a $10 million home in Telluride. You know what I mean? And so, but again, if I hide it, from them i'm hiding it from myself mm. i'm not being who i am so on the podcast like absolutely like i'm i'm either always in a short sleeve shirt sometimes i got my backwards hat on and sometimes my sleeves are rolled up and and it's just me and that has been something the podcast honestly has been the biggest healing mechanism that i've ever experienced because i think talking to people is truly a cathartic feeling and you walk away with something from every single conversation, especially when it's long form, you get into the rhythmic, you know, the rhythmic cadence of talking, right? Everybody settles down from the beginning of an episode to the end of it. They kind of just get into this like fluid, rhythmic, almost like meditative state. Um, and there's a lot of science and data behind that. And so I, I just want to be real on the podcast, on anybody's podcast. So that way that you know me, I know you and the world. It's, it's like I don't have anything to offer much more than what I can say but this is who I am. Take it or leave it. And at least at that point, when I leave this table today, I know that I was honest with myself, right? I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to prove my worth to anybody else out there. Well, I was going to say, which is probably a healthier measurement than like seeking approval. You know what I mean? Like, you know that you were true to yourself. You know that you gave it your best or whatever. When it comes to the podcast being therapeutic, I'm curious your perspective because, and just to backtrack briefly, but a, a few things just to kind of tee up the question. But one is I'm learning how difficult hosting a podcast is. <laughs> um, so I want you to know that you're incredibly talented in that in that world. Thank you. Um, I even told my wife after I was on your show, I was like, man, it, it was like, kind of felt like it was therapy. Like, I don't know why, but I, it was, a, it felt like the environment was, is, was on point. You guided the conversation in a really you know, uh, you guided it just enough. It gave me space to talk. And like, you just nailed like all of it. You were yourself. And by the way, I think the tattoos in the backwards hat are fantastic in a, <laughs> in a podcast setting and anywhere, but it's yeah. the, it makes a cool vibe sure. for the podcast. Um, but I'm curious your perspective, speaking of the podcast as a mechanism to healing or, you know, kind of being therapeutic or whatever. I like to think that it's a, a contributing factor to smiling mm -hmm. again. Um, do you find that you're getting that because you're talking or because you're listening? I think it's both. I mean, um, you know, there's been a lot of people that have commented, like, I sometimes will go off on a tangent even as a host. And a lot of times the guest doesn't necessarily get where I'm going with it. And, and I don't mean like a tangent, like steering the conversation. But what I'm trying to do is give a bed of commonality, you know, to say like, hey, we're cut from a similar cloth here. Like I understand what you you're know? saying. Yeah, and and I'll give that bed, but oftentimes you'll see the guests kind of get a little bit like nervous, and then they calm into it. So I I talk more sometimes depending on the guest and, and how engaged they are um, than other podcast hosts. You know, a lot of podcast hosts are like questioning, and the guest like really talks about it. Like the people are tuning in for the guest, not the host. Reality, but um, you know, so 
it, it does work both ways. It's like sometimes a guest will say something and it'll spark something that you didn't intend to say, you know? Um, like, for instance, when I had you on, I had just gone through a horrific falling out with my parents. I never had the intention of saying that on air. But if somebody asked me something, unless I'm going to, like, accidentally harm someone's character publicly or something, I will refrain from saying it or I'll cut it in post or something like that. But on that podcast, it's different. Like, I, I don't know how you feel here, but you get into my room, you can speak to it. It's it's like, feels like we're sitting down about to smoke cigars, you know? And we yeah, it feels drink, intimate. You know, it's it's very, like, it's just me and you here, right? Nobody else is involved. And sometimes that conversation, like, brings things forward. But a lot of times it is talking it out loud, even if that's into an echo chamber. If you're just doing a solo talking head episode, saying that stuff it's not like you've been bottling it up, but it's 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 almost like I often, and I don't know if I'm weird to do this, but I often find myself talking to myself, working out loud, you know, articulating things, you know, getting through problems, but talking physically to myself as like almost an outer body. I mean, not like, come on, Kyle, you fucking pussy, get away, you know, nothing like that, but like talking as if I'm talking to a human being here. I'm working through strategies, working through problems in my head. And so that helps me get through to an end result oftentimes. But talking to a, to a, if you're the host and it's a guest, I'm usually saying something so I can let them talk back. Now, sure. I don't want to, I don't ever want somebody to feel like I'm pulling a rope. If you don't feel like it, I'm going to, we're going to go this way. And we might come back there, but we might not. The conversation is going to go here. Um, but I will say, I think personally, if you listen to like, Let's just say there's a certain timbre with with people's vocal cords, right? Um, the kilohertz that we talk at is therapeutic. The cadence that certain people speak at is therapeutic. And so, when when you're talking, you you are hearing your inner ear speak, right? Usually, your mind's going fast enough to where you're not actually. Like, you can't talk yourself into your own meditation, right, <laughs> in a sense. But when other people are talking back to you, sometimes they'll say things that they didn't realize they were about to say, you know. And I've had that happen on a few episodes. Like, you talk about Jeremy's episode. That's an hour and 48-minute episode. He opened up. I, I, I knew Jeremy only from professional interactions with his company. Uh, great company. Um, had no knowledge of his divorce, had no knowledge of his situation, had no knowledge that he had been through ketamine treatments. So Our, all that came out authentic, like organically? I didn't even press the question. It just came up. And the thing of that is, though, Ben, is like that whole interaction, that start to finish talk of ketamine is 17 minutes out of an hour. And uh, it's over an hour and a half episode. I think it's an hour and 48, like I said. But anyways, that's the biggest spike in the episode. You know, and so it's weird Usually that happens. The same thing happened with um, with Brandon. Yeah. You know, and that was different. That was different. You know, we had planned to talk about those things. And then when he came in, he didn't feel comfortable talking about those things. And absolutely, as the host, shit, yeah. I'm so thankful that I had done enough research on him to talk about, like, interesting stuff to still have a conversation because my plan was to talk about everything that he wanted to talk about. I didn't bring it up. I said one thing, right, about... You know, we, you know, because I do have people, 
in, in the emergency medical field as well. And, you know, I had the stress there. And then whatever I said, bam, like a fucking light switch. It caused him to say something. And the way he said it, we both cried on camera because it was brutal. And that little sliver, also the most ticks in the video because it impacted people, but it was, it was less than 10 minutes that we even talked about that. And we didn't go into grave detail, but you could tell that him not being able to complete his sentence and holding back tears and finally tearing was so emotional to him that it mattered. Yeah. And I don't know what that is. You know, I mean, I've read certain things about having long form conversation and, and talking to people that it does just, it, it's a calming effect and it has a way of allowing you to build trust with one another and when you build trust with one another, sometimes you allow yourself to say things that you wouldn't otherwise be comfortable talking about. Right. And so that's why I personally think that it is therapeutic because I've seen it. I've seen it this close to people. I've seen people say something that they did not want to say and it have an impact. Like I could watch them just go like, whoa, I just, I just said that to either one person or thousands of people. Right. And I didn't care in the moment because I needed it to get off of me so bad. And it was just, it's like, I mean, and being able to watch that as a host, I, I hope and pray that you get that opportunity because it, it is so, it, and then again, I go back to the name of, you know, We Built an Empire. And, you know, Chacho Taylor, a mutual friend of ours, I love him to death. You know, he called me the other day and we were talking about the name and he's, He's so direct on certain things. You know what I'm saying? Like his character. He's just like, I love the name. The name is perfect for what you're doing. I was like, why? He's like, because it's a community. Like you're building a, a community and you'll talk to like the lunch lady, you know? And, and it doesn't matter because everybody's got something to tell. Everybody has, and it may not be a story to tell, but it may be that they have something to, that I can help them get that weight off for a second. Because in me trying to get that weight off your shoulders, it also makes me feel good. Yeah. Because we're getting to it together. I'm going to say something to you that's inevitably going to make me feel whole inside. And whatever that is, again, creating that commonality, that bed. I may have to say something totally vulnerable that I didn't want to talk about. But I know that you need something to land on down here so that you know that we're in the safe place, that we can talk. And so by me creating that as a host, inevitably somebody, they, they, they just relax and it's just like a breath and you can see it usually it's about minute 36 they start to open up and it's like it's amazing it really is and i i i've talked i would say better than 75 percent of the guests have at the end of it been like man i i forgot the cameras were here i forgot we were actually recording a podcast and they're like well that was like that was really like relieving you know and it's kind of like it is i don't know why but it is so i've got a i've got a philosophy this is just a Benism, but the, the most direct and guaranteed way to a fulfilling life is through serving others. And so I call it selfish service. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, if you need help, go help. Or, you know, and, and we have a philosophy at the business that's called giver's gain, which is basically like add value and, and you'll win in return. But it sounds to me like the experience on the podcast is similar in that sense that like you're getting some fulfillment and some therapeutic benefits from allowing others the space to have their own, you know, moments, mm -hmm. which I mean, it, it, and it speaks to, I just think it's really neat to see it convey 
in the form of a podcast. And it couldn't happen, though, if you weren't who you are and you didn't have the vulnerability that you bring to the table, the authenticity. I also think the physical space helps. I mean, you've done a, an amazing job. But I, it's really neat for me to hear that philosophy I have of, like, selfish service. That's why I volunteer on the fire department, mm. for, for me. Yeah. Know? Like, I go help somebody, and I feel good, which sure. I know is contradicting. Um, but that's what I was interested about with your experience on the podcast, because, you know, you, you hear a lot about talk therapy. And I think that, you know, coming back to, like, men's mental health and things like that, um, you know, I, I, I don't know that I would ever talk to a therapist but I certainly like talking, mm -hmm. certainly like this conversation. You know, this certainly feels therapeutic for me. Yeah. And I wonder if that's, you know, it sounds to me like that's a, a whole lot of it. And then I wonder, too, if even, like, forming, and I don't know if meaningful relationships is the best way to, because it's not like you're, like, best friends with every guest and, you know, get invited to their birthday. But like, you know, it's not. But I do think that you're forming real relationships. Mm -hmm. Like, at least even if nothing else for the time that they're on the show, it's you and them. It's intimate mm. in a lot of ways. It's raw. Um, I think there's some power in that, too, because you start to get perspective that, you know, while these journeys that we're on are lonely, we're not alone. Sure. Yeah. You know, everybody is working on things or dealing with things or has a story to tell or whatever it might be. So I wonder, I mean, do you feel like those the connections are, are contributing to it as well. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think any kind of long form conversation, like if you like think back in your life to times where you weren't talking to a best friend or even like a, let's say a four tier friend. I mean, you know, tiers like meaning you have your immediate friends and family, right. And you, you they've known them for 20 years. Then you got that second tier and then you got the work relation tier where you might've had a couple drinks at a party before, but you're not going to tell them that, you know, your kid's middle name, you know? And then like, so how many times with a third tier or a fourth tier friend, have you ever sat and had a single conversation with them with no one else interrupting you or distracting you for an hour and 45 minutes? Never, never. So having done it for a little while, I believe that inherently you start to know certain things about that person. I mean, you at least understand their cadence, you understand their rhythm, you understand their, their, their clicks, their twerks, their, you know, are they nervous? Are they this? Are they settling down? Like you start to kind of get a, um, almost a relationship with them at a, at an energy level. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so sometimes, you you strike up a bond with that guest and it does carry into to, to the outside world you know i mean like you and cody and and chacho and i mean you 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 guys are legitimate friends you know and i mean we not, may not call each other but i mean i walked in here and gave you a hug yeah you know what i mean i mean there's so there's certain guests that it just it does kind of carry past because you're like whoa all right that was there's something more to this right and and the world's going to tell you that but i do think that no matter what Almost every guest I give a hug to when they come in and the hug when they leave is better, you know? And so I don't know if I'm ever going to talk to that person again, but I do know that that time we had will never be replaced. Yeah. I, I relate to that in a, in a big way. So a lot of what, uh, the work we do is video production. And by nature, a lot of what I have to do sometimes is longer form interviews, but it's been interesting for me because it's usually with a task in mind. 
Like I'll, I'll, we'll sit down with somebody and I'll conduct an interview, but I'm after a sound bite. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, you know, we'll talk for an hour because I'm making a documentary, but I need three lines yeah. and I'm guiding it intentionally and things like that. I'm learning. And, you know, sometimes I'll, we'll have to be like, well, can you say it this way? Or, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but I do feel that like, you know, and, and I've actually loved the video production side of my business for those reasons, because I've told, I've told my team even in the past that because it's tangible, it's real, and it creates relationships. Mm-hmm. So even if, you know, whatever the revenue is or whatever, it doesn't matter. But sitting down in front of somebody and talking to them, you know, to your point, actually being present, I think is getting even more rare anymore also. You know, you think about the saturated world that we're living in with distractions and cell phones and, you know, media. It's like you sit with your – I sit with my wife and we – Turn on the show. We turn on. We built an empire podcast on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I bet you. And, and then I sit and I watch it on my phone. While I, you know, but right. but uh, um, you know, like multiple devices going on. And so I, I don't know. I just think it's really neat to hear, like that. It's a mutually beneficial experience to have the long form conversations because I know it sure helped me sitting and chatting with you. It, it was cool. I mean, I, I've been. Af- in fact, afterwards, I was like trying to pursue you know, being on more shows and I got on another podcast in Salt Lake, but I realized that the best way to do that is just start one, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's hard, you know I mean? Um, I, 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 you know, uh, you know, Chacho and myself and you have have kind of been talking back and forth about, you know, building a, um, kind of a podcast circuit, you know? And and I, I thought, you know, after his, um, you know, hats off to him, man. I, yeah, I just want to give Chacho a shout out. I, I love him to death, but he gave me the best, positive criticism after the first time he was on the show and, and i was like he listened to it a couple of times in a row and you know he called me and he's like hey man uh can i talk to him like oh dude yeah what's going on like did i leave something in production that's gonna like ruin your life yeah. he's like no he's like but he's like when you're asking a question like when you're interviewing like just remember to ask it three times three different ways especially like if you ask it the first way and you get the answer you want congratulations ask it again, ask it a third time. Right. And so I really tried to implement that. And so the last time he came on his, on my show to promote the book, um, I'm talking to him on Monday. Yeah. So I'm, gonna use, I'm yeah. writing down this advice. Yeah. Is he coming in person? Yeah. You, okay. All right. Yeah. So We're all, I have a tangent there. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he was like, ask that question, you know, ask a question three times and really each time you're going to pull back a layer of the onion and you're going to get down eventually, you know, to the core. And so I did it in that episode, and you know, I asked him, you know, what was the pinnacle moment that made you change to not go down the same path as your father? And he answered something, right? It was book-related, da-da-da. Asked it again in a different framework, right? And he didn't. Asked it finally the third time. And inherently, you know, he wasn't trying to, like, block, you know, he's open and honest as any, anybody I've ever talked to. Um, but it's just like the conversation wasn't there yet. It wasn't ready to answer the question as bluntly as when I asked it the third time. And he answered it with absolute conviction because I think he had already said this and it was like, no, that wasn't the reason. I already said that, that wasn't the reason. And so when I asked him, you know, he's like, it was, I didn't want to let my grandmother and my grandfather down. Hmm. And I was like, Boom, motherfucker! You took your it. own advice and <laughs> yeah. we nailed it. You know, so my hats off to him because, and and you know, and I do try and I can't listen to every episode because realistically, when you're editing post production, I've listened to that episode by the time it releases fifteen times over, right? <laughs> so I can listen to him sometimes. You know, I, I do go back and be like, oh, did I do this? But I I do listen to try and learn because my whole thing is like, if you're if you're gonna have somebody come in and give you their time 
their physical time. You owe it to yourself, them, and the audience to do the absolute best you can do. Yeah. I know that I'm not a great interviewer, but I'm going to get better. And so every time I try and learn something, and you can't always practice what you learn on the very next guest because it changes, right? There's always these variables, and you don't know how that person's going to interact. But sometimes you get to be like, think about, okay, what did I do last time that I want to change just slightly, just ever so much? And I, and I found myself, like, I hate it, but I shouldn't say this. How should I say this? Say it. If I'm less enthused with the way a conversation is going, sometimes you'll find me on my podcast going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm not paying attention. Now it's I'm going to watch my episode. I'm thinking of where we need to take the conversation to so that way that I can pull something out of you that I know you need to release. Mm. And so sometimes you so get you're trying to multitask. Yeah, always. Always. I'm always one question ahead, you know? Always. Have to, you have to be because then if, if they answer it and they're done, like a lot of people question, answer, question, answer. Where's the next question? I answered your question, right? That's what we want out of society. You gave me a math problem. I solved it. Where's the next one? And so they're less willing to keep going. Some guests aren't. They'll talk until they're blue in the face. But some are like, okay, I answered it. And then they're, and you're like, oh, shit, I wasn't ready for the next one, right? Well, the, the audience is going to know that. They're going to they're gonna know you weren't, you weren't one step ahead. So if sometimes I'll hear myself being like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Like, that is so – I hate if I hear a show like that, especially my own. I'm like, oh, do not – so I'm openly trying to stop doing that. And it's just, it's just a – it's like a little subtle tick, you know, when, you're, when your brain's working. So what, what I started to do now is, like, sometimes if the guest is talking, I'll just do this. And by me keeping my hand there – It's a reminder. It's a reminder. Stop saying, mm-hmm. And eventually my brain will not say that anymore. But even Joe Rogan has his ticks. He'll go, yeah, yeah. And he's already on the next question. He's intrigued by what you just said, and his brain's running. You can't help it as a guest. We're having a conversation. If you say something, I'm like, I want to jump in. But in a podcast, you can't. Right. You can't. You got to let that person complete what they're saying. And hopefully, they didn't say something else that made your brain run in another direction because I want to get back there. You know. So. Well, and what I'm finding too is, and I'm 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 so bad at this, but I'm learning. And it's fun because I think. And it's a lot of, you know, we talk about this journey, but it's fun for me to hear, like, you're trying to better yourself in all of these different, you know, aspects of life, podcast hosting being one of them. And I'm finding the similar thing. Like, I listened back, I, I, I had my sister on last week, and I listened back to our episode, and my mic's way louder than hers. I'm like, dang oh, it. Yeah. You know, I'm all bummed out and self-conscious about it. So I, now mine's turned down today, and I'm sure it'll be lower than yours and whatever. Um, just fix it and post. I say, um, a yeah. lot. I'm, so I'm trying to, you know, it's, but it's cool because I'm finding that it's giving me another way to improve. Like I've got another challenge ahead of me now. And what I'm finding is that, and obviously this will evolve cause I'm a rookie. I'm, I'm learning a ton from you even right now. Um, but like trying to have authentic, like truly engaged conversations is, is, you know, I think the best approach could even for saying, mm-hmm, or whatever, mm-hmm. Because then I think in, in podcasting, especially not interrupting or not jumping in is challenging. Like even today, you've said like five or six things that I've been like, ooh, we could dive in on that. Yeah. Ooh, we could dive in on that. And then we can't because we only have so much time. Sure. And, you know, we're, we're having one conversation. Um, so I can totally see the challenge in it and, you know, trying to get better at it and, uh, and, and perfecting the craft. But I also think that it speaks to who you are in, holistically as, as this trying to improve, you know, version of yourself. And it's just so fun to, it's so fun to see. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to be a part of like, and 
like in your in your you know your outer body out here watching yourself do stupid shit most of the times you know to see yourself kind of progress and like be like okay that was good I do like you like do you like where you are do you like who you are yeah yeah oh no yeah the thing of it is is like i absolutely do i love this life i really do um I don't have it figured out by any means, just like the rest of us, um, you know. And I and I I do struggle with it, but I do like who I am, as long as I can. Be, I heard something the other day, and I, I think this actually would sum up what I'm trying to say. It was like, if you go into a room and things are not right, be a strong man. Like right, and, and what they meant by that was like, do the right things. Be comfortable with your actions. Don't just give in to be associated with the crowd. And that, that was kind of a good way of like, I'm, I'm still going through this life and kind of, we're always kind of, do, do we fall in line? Do we toe the party line? Do we, do we, are we just going to be in the crowd and just be a member of it? Or are we going to be honorable in our mind and our thoughts and be the person that, you know, whether, whether you're, you know, uh, a God-fearing human being, be the person that, you know, some people say that God created. And not that that can't change, but it's like be, be the person that you know you're supposed to be, you know. And I don't mean go out there and, like, if, if you love to act a fool, there's not every room is meant for you to act a fool. Maybe in. suppress that yeah. a yeah. <laughs> But, you know, if you know something's wrong, then don't be a part of that. If you don't feel comfortable calling out that something that's wrong, or that doesn't align with you or your beliefs or that doesn't align with who you want to be or where you're trying to get on this journey, then just simply don't be a part of it. You don't got to go in and be like, you're a, you're a liar, dude. This guy's a liar. You know, you just, you know what, remove yourself from the situation. And so I, I go back to what that gentleman said. If, if you go into a room and something's wrong, then be a good man. Mm. And that's what I'm trying to be. You, you asked me, do you like who you are? Yeah, I do. But I do have to make sure that in my mind, you know, am I being a good man? Am I, am I being true to myself? Because that's hard. It's hard to be true to yourself in all aspects of life. Um, but I'm trying. And, I, and I, I feel better now than I have in years. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't really – it's probably a multitude of things to kind of chalk it off to as to why that's happening. But, um, you know – I, I, so I, I can't like pinpoint one single thing, um, but yes, I do. I do enjoy this life. Do I have a lot of room for improvement in every aspect? Absolutely, father, you know, uh, husband, uh, person in society, servicement of a room. You know, I'm horrible at that. You know, because I think, you know, I, I don't know if we share the same friend, but my good friend Eric Nelson. He, uh, he runs a podcast. He is a great investment business. He also owns a, uh, an engineering firm here in town. Um, he's one of the kindest souls I've ever met. Love him, love him to death, genuinely speaking. And he, he exemplifies servicemen of a room every time I see him. Every single time I see him, he can walk into a room and make sure that that room is better than when he left. Mm. And it might be just talking to one person or doing something, but he like gives himself. And I struggle with that. I think a lot of the time because I am an introvert. And maybe that's part of my tiny little micro success with the podcast world is because I am a little bit introverted, which is strange because I've played in front of thousands and thousands of people on a stage with a microphone. I'm not scared of being in front of people, 
But I found myself a lot of times, like especially like in an office space, where I'll go in and I'm so focused, sit to my desk, do my thing. People are walking by, I don't give a shit, you know, you're not in my world, you're not in my purview, I'm just over here doing my thing, bam, bam, bam. And then I start to go, man, do these people just not like me? Like, what's wrong with them? Why are they assholes? Well, dude, you've never talked to them. You've never even acknowledged them in the, at the coffee room, you know? And I'm going, oh, God, you haven't. But I get so distracted, and my mind just goes hyper-focused on a lot of things. And so, um, you know, one of the big things that I, I'm just – I struggle with and I tell and, and I, I'm not good at it is just servicing a room or servicing a friendship just being a good person generally speaking um, I try to be but you know I'm not infallible you know it's like I, I'm not perfect we're none of us are perfect and so as long as I think that I'm still trying to better myself in these areas and I'll have pitfalls and failures along the way I think then yeah I can say right now today that I do like who I am. Yeah. As long as I can keep telling myself that, like, you, you not only do you, can you do better, but you have to do better, right? Because if you're just, I don't believe that you get to be that person in the room that just gets to be the asshole ever. Because then at some point people just go, oh, yeah, he's just an asshole. Yeah, just deal with it. No, that's not right. You know, it's, it's not right. Whatever reason is making you be that asshole it's not right for you to be that way to other people. They don't deserve it. In fact, you don't deserve it. You know, and so it's like you have to constantly be bettering yourself. If you know that you're not good in certain environments, make sure that you're doing something to make that environment less of a scenario for you and the people that are around you. It's the whole idea behind chasing greatness is like this idea that we have to consistently be putting in effort to better ourselves. And so thank you so much for being vulnerable, sharing your story with me, for bettering yourself. I hope you know very sincerely what an impact you've made on my life. And I look up to you. And I just think it's like, I just hope you know that you, the things that you're doing, you have an audience, you're making an impact. I think it's amazing that you get a little bit of benefit out of it too, but you're doing way more good than you realize. And uh, it's just neat. I mean, I, I've had conversations with, with Robel even about it, and it's just so cool to see you leaning into who you are and still getting better. Like hearing that this journey is still continuing, and it's just, it's just amazing. I hope you know how loudly I'm cheering for you, but also how grateful I am that I get to see what you're doing and that you're making the impact that you are. Um, so I have a Inspire by Example shirt for you, <laughs> right. which now I think we might have to get a smaller size. What size is it? Because, uh, lost you know, a, lost a little bit of because of the, the healthy, uh, you know, the healthy, <laughs> the healthy journey that we're on. Um, but awesome. seriously, Kyle, thank you so much. And, and very sincerely, more so than thank you for being on the show, obviously. But thank you for being you. Yeah, it was and my thank pleasure. thank you for doing what you're doing, and don't stop. I won't, man. Because the world appreciate more it. people like you. Appreciate you. Keep doing this. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I haven't listened to the, the whole episodes. I started to, but I would just say just like you said at the very beginning of this, consistency. Um, people are going to hear it, and people will be influenced by it. So I appreciate you doing this. For anybody else listening, I just want to plug this real fast. Let's start a podcast community. Yeah. Realistically. Let's do it. I'm all in. Love you, brother. Love you, Kyle. Thank you.